Good morning, Eastside family. Take your Bibles and turn to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. Some time ago, I shared with you guys a story. And, you know, I, I, this is, I'm embarrassed. I, the older I get, the more I'm going to start saying this. I can't remember if I said this to you or not. So I'm going to be repeating the stories a lot individually. It's kind of worse when it's up here. But I'm pretty sure I told you how Carrie and I, and I met when we were in college. And if you remember, um, we didn't just merely meet, but we were put together by some friends of ours at Harding named Jim and, and Stephanie Carr. And they both knew us, and they said, you know, we, we need to get them together. And so they did, and we went on, um, it was a blind date and with Jim and Stephanie. We had a good time, and it was, there was no doubt they were indeed scheming behind the scenes to, to bring us together. I, I remember I told you that part, but I don't remember if I told you the follow-up to that story. But it just it serves as a beautiful segue into what I want to say today. So if I've said it before, just smile and, and flatter me as though you haven't heard it before. When, um, when we ended our, our, our um, blind date with Jim and Stephanie, they, they dropped Karen off first at the dorm. And, and I just so happened to say to Karen, well, what are you going to be doing tomorrow? Not that I was going to be looking for her or anything, just curious, you know. So she said, well, I'll be going to church this Sunday. I'll be going to lunch. And then after that, I'll be going to the library. And the library, you, you know, the library was never a place that I hung out, ever. If you were looking for me, you would never go. You know, he probably at the library. It's kind of like this reputation I felt like I had to keep up. But I kind of, that next morning, I started thinking, okay, she's going to be going to church around this time. I was kind of calculating out. She's going to be uh, going to lunch about this time. And then she'll probably be getting to the library about this time. So I got to the library about 6.30 that morning. <laughs> or maybe a little bit later, but it was really, really early, right? And I, and I positioned myself in this room that's right next to the entrance to the library. There's a big glass right there. You can see everybody coming in. And I sat down, and for however long it was, I pretended like I was reading the newspaper. I, I don't know what was in that paper. I, wasn't, I was watching everybody coming in the door until finally, after this long period of, of anxiously waiting for Karen to enter into the, the library, there she comes in. And it was the strangest thing. At the very moment that she entered the library, I had just finished reading the paper. And so I put the paper down, and the strangest thing is, it was also at that just moment when she was coming in the door that I realized I needed to get up and walk through the foyer to these stairs and go upstairs and study. And so I did, and of all things, we almost ran into one another. What what are you doing here? And it's like, what are the odds of that happening? Because, like, we had never saw each other at school before, except the night before. And all of a sudden, the next day, there we're, we're meeting. So what you've got to understand, that that wasn't by coincidence. We didn't just merely meet on that day. That was what I'm calling a, a not-so-mere meeting, something that was, was well-planned out. That's what I see all over the book of Acts. 
many such not-so-mere meetings. You've got people meeting one another constantly. All these people that just so happen to be crossing the paths of other people. But when you look closely into the story, you realize somebody's working behind the scenes to bring them together. And it's God. You see these incredible stories of God bringing disciples of Jesus Christ directly into the paths of those who do not know Jesus as Lord and Savior, all for the purpose of followers of Jesus sharing Christ with those individuals and leading them to a place of faith to carry out God's mission of making disciples of all nations. I want to look at this one thing this morning that God does. It's in this series that I've entitled... And I know I'm not going down in history as a guy who came up with really clever titles for sermons nor series. I've called this not-so-mere Christianity where we're, we're going to be looking at the second half of, of the book of Acts where we see the core message of the gospel, of our Christian faith, the story of Jesus, which really isn't so mere at all because it is explosive in its power to create faith and, and transformative life change. And my whole purpose, and I believe we as a church family need this, is not only to inspire us, but to equip us in this mission that God has given us to make disciples of all nations. So while my goal is to get to the second half of of, of chapter 2, to find this core message, to equip us with it, I can't help but stop and look at the, the props that set the stage for this moment. And I want to look at one of them today and show you something incredible that God did then, and I am convinced that he still does today. Something that he did here that, 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 that brought about an incredible revival in this story. We see that some 3,000 people came to faith and Jesus were baptized on that one day. The one component, the only one thing, I had five points and I'm making just one today, is I want to talk to you about these not-so-mere meetings. I want to show you a story that leads us into other stories of how God works to bring people together for his eternal purposes. So I already read this a couple of weeks ago, but for the sake of review, let's let's start in chapter 2 and verses 1 through 4. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now remember a couple of weeks ago, we looked at the first prop setting the stage for this incredible move of God. And it's what we call not-so-mere prayers. We saw here and we see all through, we saw all throughout the book of Acts that when, when God's people are constantly fervently praying it's there in that place of prayer that the holy spirit empowers his people and mightily works through his people so it's absolutely no surprise that we we find the holy spirit blowing through like a fresh wind and a fresh fire and working powerfully through his disciples here in chapter two because in chapter one they were merely praying and when god's people merely pray the holy spirit works powerfully we looked at that two weeks ago so we're looking at the second aspect of it today and that's where our story continues now in verse 5 now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven when they heard this sound a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one of them heard them speaking in his own language utterly amazed they asked 
Are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it each of us hear them, hears them in his own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of it, Mesopotamia, Judah and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them, I love this, declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, well, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, oh, they've had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs in the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's a huge passage and we do not have time, time today to unpack everything there. So I've given it to you in your life groups for you guys to, to work on further. There's only one thing I want you to notice this morning. As this incredible move of God is happening, these, these people in the audience, thousands of people are sitting there going, what in the world is going on? And Peter says in verse 16, this... What's going on? Let me explain. This is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. Now, some of you have been doing church for a long time, and so you, fo- you fully understand that, but a lot of us are here for the first time. I'm hoping you are. I prayed for you today that you're, you're, you're new at, at learning the Bible. And so I, I feel like there's a need to give a little bit of explanation. Who was Joel? Joel was a, a prophet of God. And a prophet of God is, is someone like a... Uh, like he is he's a messenger of God and often they would the messengers of God these prophets would would speak words into the future they would give predictions of things that were going to happen in the future and so we have the words of Joel found in what we call in 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 our bible world the old testament you got the old testament the new testament the bible that's kind of like saying one book with two volumes volume one volume two so in volume two we go back in the old testament and we find the words and the prophecy of this guy named Joel And so what I just read to you here in chapter 2, verses 17 through 21, let's go ahead and put that slide up. It's a direct, it's a direct, it's a a quote. Peter is quoting from the prophet Joel. And Joel wrote this, and I'm kind of being conservative here. It says 500 years early. It's likely seven or 800 years before this day ever occurred. God spoke through Joel and prophesied that this event would occur. We know that for a fact. Archaeology and history, history proves to us that this was clearly written hundreds of years before. So what's the point? These people are going, what's going on? What is this? What is this? These people speaking where we can understand them. And, and Paul or Peter says to them, you need to understand that this is not a mere meeting of thousands of people that just happen to be together at the same time when followers of Jesus just happened to be in Jerusalem. They didn't just merely meet. But this is an event 
that God had planned, that God had schemed, that God had predicted and prophesied many years before through the prophet Joel, all for the purpose of making this divine moment happen that followers of Jesus Christ might be brought into the paths of hundreds, even thousands of people who don't know Jesus, that they may hear the message of Christ, that they may call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. You got people from all these other countries brought together. Just like Jim and Stephanie Carr brought a guy from Tennessee and a girl from Northern Ireland and brought them together, scheming behind the scenes to make that happen. God was at work in this moment. And here's what's really neat. It's not just this one moment, but you read the book of Acts and it happens again and again and again. I brought your attention in chapter, uh, what is it? Chapter 10, we were talking about prayer. And I I drew your attention to a man named Cornelius. He didn't know Jesus as Lord and Savior. He lived in... um, in Caesarea over here. And then you've got a guy named Peter. He's a Christian. And he's over, he's over in this town called Joppa. And they're both, listen, they're both praying. And as they're praying, God says, we got to get them together. God leads Peter to Cornelius. It's no coincidence they met. God brought them together. And as they were together, Peter is sharing the story of Jesus. The Holy Spirit falls upon Cornelius and his whole household. They come to faith and are baptized into Christ. That's a not-so-mere meeting. That's God at work bringing people together. He just does that. Oh, there's so many more stories. You go to the book of Acts chapter 16 and and it was no coincidence that the followers of Jesus met a woman in, in, in this area of Macedonia, the city called Philippi. They met Lydia and they met this jailer. And they didn't just happen to meet. As a matter of fact, they were on opposite sides of the GNC. You've got Lydia and her family and the jailer and his family over here in Philippi. And you've got the followers of Jesus over here in this town called Troas. And God says, we've got to bring them together. And he did. And Lydia and her household and the jailer in his household came to faith in Jesus Christ and were baptized. It was a not-so-mere meeting. It was God scheming and working to bring his people together my, my, w- with people who don't know him. My favorite story, my favorite story, and it's like so blatant, you can't miss it. it it's in the book of Acts chapter, chapter 8. And so you, you've got, um, you got this guy, he's called the Ethiopian eunuch. And I know he must be up in heaven going, can you not just say Ethiopian? Can we just leave it at that? So you got this guy and he, he's an Ethiopian, he's traveling in his chariot. And you got this guy named Philip and God says to Philip, I want you to go to this desert road that leads to the south, to, that leads, heads to Gaza. And God didn't say, and here's why I want you to go there. He just says, I want you to go there. And Philip didn't go, well, why? He just in obedience went. He went there, and when he got there, then the Holy Spirit said to him, we need to listen to the Spirit. The Holy Spirit said to him, you see that chariot? I want you to go up to that chariot and speak to that guy. And I'm thinking, no, I don't even know him. Think about that for a minute. Think about God saying to you, "Um, I want you to go to the King Super's parking lot on the corner of Woodman and Academy. Whoa, Why? Just go. And so you go and you're kind of hanging in, in the parking lot. And then all of a sudden the Spirit says, you see that way over there, you see that silver four-door Malibu and that guy sitting in the car? I want you to run up to that car and go talk to that guy. Like, I'm not doing that. 
Because what, what would he think? Well, what's it going to be like from me running up to him and he's sitting in the car? He's going to be rolling the window and taking off. Philip ran up to the chariot. That's bold. That's way outside of a comfort zone. He ran up to the chariot. The guy was reading the Bible. Well, what do you know? He didn't understand what he was reading. Philip shared with him the story of Jesus. And this man was baptized into Christ. You see that again and again and again. God bringing people together for those purposes. Listen, here's what you don't see in the Bible. You're not going to find a verse in the Bible that says, and God stopped doing that. But it's like we behave as though he did. If I could boil it down, if you're going, what's he trying to say? I I think perhaps... This is it. I am convinced that just as we see here in Acts, God bringing Christians together with those who aren't Christians for the purpose of followers of Jesus, sharing the gospel with others, he is still doing that today. I'm certain of that. That's what he does. So listen, if, if you're here for the first time, and I hope that some of you are, if you've been visiting on, on a, uh, uh, as a guest on a regular basis, it's very likely that your being here today is not simply a coincidence that you randomly came, but it's the province of God that he wanted you here today to hear what I'm saying to you today so that you will give your life to Jesus or perhaps so that you will return as you've been away from him for a period of time. I am convinced of this to those of us who are Christians here. Could it be, yes it could be, someone that you met this past week was not a mere meeting. God brought you in the paths of someone. It's likely that today or this week, God is going to make your path cross the path of someone who so desperately needs to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. That's what God does. So if, if that's true, and, and it's got to be, because it's here. If that's true, man, we got to be aware of that. That's the thing. I only want us to hear that one thing today, to be thinking about that, to be looking for that, and to be listening to those, to the voice of God, that I can be God's instrument to impact someone's life for eternity. And so... So you might be going, well, how do you know? How do you know when, um, when you meet someone that maybe this is God doing this? That's kind of hard. That's kind of hard to know. Like, well, I'll just say this. If you hear a voice that says, go talk to that guy, well, then pretty obvious. Um, if, if the, we have what's called promptings of the Holy Spirit. When it says the Holy Spirit said to Philip, go to this man, it didn't say verbally. It could have been a prompting. You ever had that feeling as though, man, something inside of me is telling me to go to this person and say this now. Obey that. You may be wrong, but what's going to happen if you're wrong? You'll share Jesus with the wrong person? (laughs) I mean, think, what's the worst thing that can happen? There's two ways, there's two ways that God leads us to others and first of all, it's, it's through specifically leading us to an individual through the voice of the Spirit or, or through his prompting or, or with, um, what's his name? Paul, when he was in charge, he had a vision, a dream. You have dreams? Pay attention to those. I know, he's going Pentecostal. It's in the Bible. Let's listen to God. And I'll be honest with you, there's a... There's a 
a learning curve here. And a lot of it has to do with this is incredibly uncomfortable. Go up to talk to somebody about Jesus and I've never seen them before. And you're little, it's, it's far outside of, of, um, of, what, of what I'm personally comfortable with. I, I thought of a story, and I'll, I'll share it with you, and maybe this will help illustrate it. Maybe not, but we'll give it a shot. And maybe I haven't already told you this story, but I used to be in this program as a 14-month um, rehab program for juvenile delinquents called Teen Challenge because I was one of the delinquents. And, and it was a faith-based program helping kids with all kinds of addictions and issues and criminal activity. And, and God changed my life in that program. And so they took 20, 25 of us and they said, okay, we're going to put you all in a choir. I uh, know, figure that out. We're going to put you in a choir and we're going to travel around to churches. We're going to sing at these churches and we're going to give our testimonies. And so that's what we did. And I was chosen to be in the choir, not because I could sing, but because they wanted me to give my testimony. And so we would go from church to church to church and we would stand up on a stage like this. 10, 15, 20 of us would sing. There'd be Phil, our director. And after we'd sing a song, we'd give a testimony, sing a song, give a testimony. And at the end, we'd have what's called an altar call where people come forward um, and we would pray with them. But this is what Phil taught us to do. The director, he says, now, now when we're having an altar call, if you see somebody out there that needs to come forward, but they're not coming forward, you just go get them and bring them down. And I'm sitting there going, there's no way. There's no way I'm going to do that. I'm too shy, and I'm not going to be putting anybody on the spot. And so I'm just going to stand. I always stood over here, and I'm just going to hang with four or five of us that are too timid to do that, and I'm going to keep the song going while everybody else is out there working the crowd. Now, I did that Sunday to Sunday to Sunday when we traveled. And then one Sunday, it just so happened that, I don't know, it was a break in the song or whatever, but Phil came up and whispered to me while everybody else was singing. He said, do you, do you see that guy right there, Eddie? And I looked at him, and that poor guy saw that we were looking at him. So then he looked straight down at the ground. because Oh, no, they're talking about me. And he said, well, Eddie, uh, yeah, yeah, I see him. If you think, uh, if you feel like the Holy Spirit's leading you to go pray with him, then you should do that. And I'm thinking, well, I don't know if it's the Holy Spirit leading me to that or you. Uh, I didn't say that, but I thought that. You go over there, I'll stay over here. And then I started thinking, oh, I got to do this. I got to be bold. I got to step outside of my timidity and, and my fear. And I got to be courageous and share Jesus with others. And so now, I, and I looked up at the guy and he looked at me and then boom, he went straight down to the floor with his eyes again. So I started walking in his direction. And it's not like he was on the, the edge of the, uh, the chair there, the, the pews there. Like he was in the middle and I had to work my way through about 10 different people, you know. It's really embarrassing. And I get to him. I laid my hand on his shoulder. Man, I'm Eddie. Um, the Spirit sent me to pray with you, which <laughs> I don't know if you really did or not, but, but I was trying, all right? I was trying. And so I said, hey, uh, I just want to pray with you. Do you how are you doing? How are you doing? Uh, uh, okay. Man, you like got some drug issues, porn, relationship stuff. No, I'm pretty good, actually. Uh, school, struggling in school, struggling with family. No, I'm... I'm pretty good, actually. Uh, the church, yeah, come here all the time. And I think, oh, great, man, great. How embarrassing, you know? You, you baptized, yeah. Um, 
all right, let, let's just pray you stay that way. And so, <laughs> so <laughs> I prayed with him and I said, I will never do that again. I will never do that again. So we go two or three weeks later, we're at another church, there's four or five hundred people, and we're singing and giving testimonies, and I'm thinking, I've got to do this, I've got to be bold. And in the back, I can still see that boy back there, I thought, if there's anybody who needs prayer, it's that kid. He had like the heavy metal shirt on, he had crazy hair, he was flirting with a girl, he wasn't paying attention to us. I thought, that guy, that guy, he can't be good. I'm going to go get him. And so, and so we're praying. At, we come to the end. We come to altar call. Some people come forward. Of course, he does. And I said, that's it. I'm going to give this a try again. I went back there and I said, hey, man, I'm Eddie. Do you need, do you need somebody to pray with you? He says, oh, boy, do I. <gasps> yeah. And he came forward. Oh, my goodness. Confessed incredible struggles and problems and sin in his life. And all of a sudden, God took that moment and used it to impact him. But that was kind of hard for me. And what what was incredibly awkward is it turned out to be the the preacher's son of that church. Yeah, the preacher wasn't looking at me really good at that point. Listen, here's my point. Here it is. If God is going to use you, he's going to have to stretch you. Sure, this is not natural. It's not necessarily easy. This is what we see. I, I, I don't think it was easy for Philip. Go up to that chariot. But he did. And a man's life was changed for eternity. So that's one way that God leads us. He leads us through, through individually leading us to people. And that's, that's, that's a challenge for us. I get it. Oh, but church, if we will boldly step out to his leading and his promptings, he will use us to impact lives for eternity. Now, there's another piece that I want to mention to you. He doesn't just always say, go to that person, go to that person, go to that person. You don't see that completely. You see that in the New Testament, in the book of Acts, but you see another thing at play. He, and I don't even know how to put this into words, he just leads us to people in general through his spoken word which is now written. Jesus didn't say, go to these four people. He said, go into all the world. That's our mission, to make disciples of all nations. And we could literally go to all people. And so that's what you see the disciples doing. They're not just waiting around. Okay, God, when you say, or bring something to my door and knock on it, I'll talk to them. Or if you say, go speak to them, I'll do that. They just started going everywhere to all peoples. I love this verse. Chapter 5 and verse 42 of the book of Acts Day after day, in the temple courts and from house to house. See, they're just going everywhere. They never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is Christ. So if God leads you to an individual, man, go. But you don't have to wait on that. God is leading. I remember one time when I was wanting to go, we were going to go to the Brno, the Czech Republic. And I said, God, do you really want us to go? I remember in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, walking barefoot on the warm asphalt saying, God, I need an angel to show up and say, go to Brno. I can't just take my two-year-old, my four-year-old to a foreign nation. How do I know you want me to go to Brno? And all of a sudden I realized that God already told me, go into all the world. Is Brno part of that? Sure it is. And so how do I know if I should talk to this guy or this guy? Is he part of all the world? Yeah, sure. God is calling me to those individuals. We see here that they went from door to door, from house to house. You know, we used to do that back in the days 
We'd go door knocking. Remember that? Some of you remember that? We'd go door knocking, invite people to church or invite people to, to study. The Bible was, we don't do door knocking anymore because door knocking doesn't work. Or does it not work? I really wonder, does door knocking not work or do we not want it to work because we're too scared to do it because it's way outside of what we're comfortable with? I think we would be surprised. I'm really not trying to convince us as much to door knock, although let's do that, as I'm trying to convince us to be courageous with who we are and what we've been given in Christ. I'll tell you one more story that, that kind of, I think it illustrates this, and then we'll close. So, I don't think I told you this. When I was 18 years old, I was really, really, really at the worst of my bad. And this guy at church, he thought, I know how to help Eddie straighten up. I'm going to give him a job at the company I worked for. He worked at the company called Southwestern Book Company. And Southwestern Book Company hired college students in the year, in the summer, to go out and knock doors and sell books. And so he said, and they sell Bibles, and they sell medical books, and they sell um, uh, children's books. And they give you this big, green, hard shell, geeky looking box that you walk around in the neighborhoods with. I was so embarrassed to carry that thing. I didn't want to do that, but he said, Eddie, you'll probably make fifteen dollars to $20,000. I'll do that. And so I went to the first uh, one week of training with about 100 other guys. And after one week of learning all the memorized fields and everything, I went to Jasper, Alabama. And that's like Hugh Clutch Clan headquarters almost so this is some crazy place they sent me through Coleman and if you know Alabama you know what I'm talking about I went with a guy named Clinton we rented a room uh, from some Christians in town there and we went out the next day to go door knocking to to sell our books and I was so um uh, I'm nervous that's not even I didn't want to do this why did I sign up for this so I spent two or three hours driving around Jasper Alabama looking for the right house you're looking for the right neighborhood. It can't be a wealthy neighborhood because, well, they're too rich. They're materialistic. They don't care about Bibles or they probably already got all these books or they're too poor. I can't go to that neighborhood because they can't afford these books. And so I drove and drove and drove until I found just the right neighborhood, just the right house. And as my heart was pounding, I drove up to the house with my, and got out of the car with that geeky looking green hard shell box. I walked up to the door and I, and I knocked on the door and this woman opened the door and I said exactly as I had been taught. I still remember the words today. Hi, I'm Eddie White. I, I'm just one of those old Southwestern book boys. Y'all don't shoot them out here. <laughs> no, seriously. What we're doing, we're talking with all the church folks today. You go to church somewhere here in town, and at that point I took my foot, and she had the door, and I put my foot right there because that's the way they taught me. You put your foot right there, then she'll feel like you she. There's no man there. You don't go when the men are at home. Uh Uh-uh. You go for those weak, vulnerable women. We were taught that. That is wrong. We were taught that. Put your foot right there. The door's open. Well, I got to let him in. And then we were taught to go in, sit down in that recliner because that his chair, that's the chair of control. You will sell books that way. She looked at me and she said, no, thank you, honey. And I (laughs) I moved my foot just in time to keep my toes from getting cut off and I got I was devastated I gave it a try it didn't work I drove to Sonic I got a burger and a milkshake and there was my roommate 
with his burger and milkshake. We were drowning in our sorrows. I called my trainer up, and I said, it just doesn't work. I don't want to do this. I can't stand this. And he said, what did you do? And I told him what I did. He said, no, you don't do that. You don't pick out certain individuals, certain places. You just go everywhere, to every house, every neighborhood. And though it can be discouraging, though you'll get no's, every no you get is one step closer to your first yes. And I said, all right, all right. And I did that. And I made a lot of money selling books door to door. There are many people in this city who are hungering to know the hope and the love and the salvation that's in Jesus Christ. As you step outside of your comfort zone, you're going you're gonna to face a lot of no's. But there are some individuals God is sending you to who will say yes to your invitation to church or to a life group or to to an offer to share Jesus with them. There are people that you will meet. It's the way God works, not by coincidence, but by God's divine providence that God can use your life to impact them for eternity. And I am so grateful for Jim and Stephanie Carr that they brought me and Karen together so many years ago. And I believe there are many people in our city who will literally be forever, eternally grateful that God brought you and them together that they might hear of the hope and love that is in Jesus Christ. So I want us to pray the prayer song that we prayed two weeks ago. Let's offer it up to God that He will lead us and use us And with that song, we'll enter into another song. And we're going to let that be our time of prayer where our our shepherds are going to be available to to pray with you. And you can pray with anyone that you would like to as well. Let's stand together and go into this time of prayer. Father in heaven, thank you for this powerful story. Thank you for opening our eyes to seeing the way that you have worked and the way that you are working. Lord, we offer ourselves to you to be your instruments. We admit our fear and our timidity. We admit our reservations and our hesitations. But God, we offer now to you in this moment this prayer.